Welcome to the Autism Empowerment Podcast, your source for acceptance, enrichment, inspiration, and empowerment in autistic and autism communities worldwide. Wherever you identify in your autism or autistic journey, Autism Empowerment is here to meet you along the way. We are an autistic-led podcast, 501c3 nonprofit charity, and publisher of Spectrum Life magazine. In today's episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the poem, Autism Does Not Define Me, written by Karen Krejcia, an autistic mom parenting two children on the autism spectrum. The poem has been translated into multiple languages and also appeared in the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Raising Kids on the Spectrum, 101 Inspirational Stories for Parents of Children with Autism and Asperger's. And we're back on the air. Hi there, Karen. Hello, John. How's my favorite co-host today? Wonderful. Wait, wait, I thought I was your only co-host. Well, currently, there's always Zula or Cat. Okay, that's a relief. (laughs) (laughs) I could have said least favorite co-host. You're my favorite. Thank you. Hello to our listeners. Whether you're here with us for the first time or you're a returning subscriber, thank you for joining us. My name is Karen Krejcia, and I'm the executive director and co-founder of Autism Empowerment. I'm also one of your hosts for today's podcast. I'm here today with my husband, John Krejcia, who is our program's director and other co-founder. Hello and welcome. Today we're on episode number nine, and we'll be reading and discussing a poem I wrote back in 2010, about two years after our two children were diagnosed on the autism spectrum, and about a year after my own diagnosis. For now, I'm going to turn this over to John to take on the primary duties of asking questions and helping monitor our time together. I'm happy to keep us on track today. My first question is, why are we going over this beautiful poem today? You know, John, it took me a while to think about how I wanted to answer this question. Part of the reason we're going over this is to advocate for children and adults on the autism spectrum to have opportunities to live joyful and fulfilling lives. Another reason is that we wanted to reach out to parents, grandparents, family members, and other allies who might be relatively new to the autism journey and let them know how important of a role they can play in helping foster a child's self-esteem and self-identity, whether it be their own child or someone else's that they care about. In episodes number four and five, we talked about autism support and support groups for both people on the spectrum, as well as family members and caregivers. In episodes number seven and eight, we talked about early signs of autism in children and then common signs in adults that may have been overlooked in childhood. Back in episode number six, we shared a letter that Jasmine Jones, an autistic mom, wrote to support and encourage parents that are new to their autism journey. So the poem that I wrote and that we'll be reading and talking about today ties in both as a poem of support, love, and encouragement to other parents, as well as a love letter to autistic youth and adults. So before we went any further along in our podcast presentations, I thought it was really important to share this writing. The poem is almost 11 years old now, and the time to share with our listeners feels right. Well, that makes a lot of sense why we're doing the poem today. Could you read the poem first, and then we can come back and talk about it? Sure, I'd be happy to. I know it's kind of emotional because it's so deep and personal for you, so I I totally understand if, as we go through this, there's some emotion. This is important, so I'm going to do my best here. Accept me for who I am. Understand that I may not always get what you're saying. Trust that God has me here for a reason. I'm an amazing human being. Socially, I might not fit in with society's expectations. Mentoring can help me along the way. Don't forget that I have feelings, 
even if I don't express them. Opportunities for my happiness are indeed possible. Educate and encourage me without prejudice. Show patience and kindness along the way. Never give up trying to get me. Ostracizing me will just shut me down. Take time to try and come into my world. Defining me as my diagnosis ignores my essence and best qualities. Emerging talents may arise when you least expect them. Friendship and honesty is valued to me more than you can imagine. I'm in need of love and tenderness, too. Never let me give up, especially when you see my mood shift. Expect the unexpected and watch me enrich your life. Many people will read this, and I pray millions will act. Embrace and empower someone with autism today. Autism does not define me. It sounds really nice. So we'll go ahead and post that also with the show notes. But I want to mention, when people actually see it, looking down the left side, each letter, it spells out, autism does not define me. It's very artistic. Can you talk a little bit about this and your thinking process? Sure, John, I'd be happy to. So I first started writing poetry when I was in elementary school. I'm not sure exactly what got me started, but it was an early passion. I actually had a poem about friendship published in a local California newspaper in fifth grade and wrote a book of poetry that was presented to our entire elementary school. It was copied on a mimeograph. John, do you remember mimeographs and dittos? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's dating you. Yeah, it's dating me. It's mid-70s, yeah. But I love the smell of that ink. Oh, my goodness. I really love that smell. That was before copiers were really a thing in school. Anyway, back then, I learned how to write acrostic poems. That was what you were talking about. An acrostic poem is a poem where certain letters in each line spell out a word or phrase. Typically, it's the first letters of each line that are used to spell the message, but they can appear anywhere. For me, they're visually appealing and fun to create. With this one, I wanted it to be appealing to the eye, but memorable to the mind and to the heart. I would think that also gives you some type of guidance, kind of rules to go by. That's a good point, right? I had to figure out a line for each letter. letter. And in each line was very meaningful, I have to say. Thank you. So I want to go back to a couple of the different lines. But first, do you remember writing the poem? And if so, what were your thoughts at the time when you were writing the poem? Okay, so I originally wrote and published this poem on a personal blog that I had called Aspirations, Come As You Are, Let Your Light Shine. That was back on April 8th, 2010. At that time, I was relatively new to my family's autism journey as well as my own diagnosis. Both of our kids were diagnosed back in 2008, and I was diagnosed about a year later. To help me make better sense of what I was experiencing and be able to share that with others who might be going through a similar life journey, I made a commitment to blog every day in April during Autism Acceptance Month. On that particular day that I wrote the poem, I just felt like doing something different. As I was writing it, I was reflecting upon my own life on the spectrum, as well as the lives of my two children, who were three and ten at the time. I was thinking, if people were meeting us for the first time, what would we want them to know? Then I was thinking, what might I have wanted my parents to have known had I been diagnosed as a child? So John, our listeners out there probably don't realize it, but I was adopted, so that genetic component of autism that often runs in families wouldn't have been there. So having a poem (laughs) to sort of guide them, 
I guess I just kind of like a manual, like we were talking about yeah, in some of kids, our other um, episodes. Exactly, kids don't come with manuals. Husbands don't come with manuals. You keep on saying that <laughs> in almost every single episode. Yeah, I'll have to figure out how to keep getting that in there somehow. Anyway, <laughs> it was also intended to reflect what my children or others on the spectrum might want friends, family, or teachers to know. It was a form of artistic advocacy. Autistic, artistic advocacy. Say that five times fast. <laughs> no, thank you. Admittedly, my views in a few areas have evolved a bit over time since I wrote it. When I wrote the poem, I didn't really consider myself an active part of any autism community. I considered myself a parent who is working with you to do whatever we could to help our children through their challenges and into a place where they could thrive. As more successes took place and they got a bit older, we had a little more time to get involved and engaged. And the way I began to define myself and my children in relation to the word autism evolved. So that was about a year and a month or a year and two months before autism empowerment was even formed, correct? That is correct. I think in some ways, writing that poem tied in with my calling that I felt that I had to just make a greater difference, to really try to help advocate for others, to help empower others to embrace. Our nonprofit autism empowerment was founded in June of 2011. That was just a little bit over a year after I wrote the poem. And I believe it's still impactful and meaningful today. I believe so as well. Also, this was part of a book. Can you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, um, I'd be happy to. So by and large, after the poem was written, I received very positive responses. As I mentioned before, I had put it out on a blog of mine. I've always been someone who's had aspirations of becoming a writer. Originally, I expected that to be more a fiction writer. And well, we still have our mystery to write, too. Exactly. We have our murder mystery to write. Nowadays, it seems like most of the writing I do is nonfiction with Spectrum Life and other kinds of things. But the blog that I set up was really to put out there and to write about our autism journey. The name of the blog was called Aspirations, A-S-P-I-E, Rations. Come as you are, let your light shine. It was a play on the word aspiration and Aspie, which is an affectionate term for someone diagnosed with Asperger syndrome that was actually coined by Leanne Holiday Willie, another writer on the spectrum. And it's also my Twitter handle. People can now look you up. At Aspirations. Anyway, out of all the postings that I had on my blog, this was the one that seemed to really resonate with people most, or should I say with parents, particularly moms who were not autistic. I really received some beautiful emails about that, and it really touched my heart. Because a lot of times when I was writing in the past, I wouldn't necessarily get feedback or I wasn't necessarily looking for feedback. It was more art that I wanted to put out in the world or I wanted to share something for others to learn potentially, that kind of thing. So it was really neat and humbling to get those types of responses. As far as the book, which I think was your initial question, I was trying to earn some money on the side freelancing at the time and came across the opportunity to be published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. They were seeking inspirational stories and poetry from parents who were raising kids on the spectrum. I was sure there was going to be an incredibly large amount of submissions, but I was hopeful and I gave it a try and I was really excited to see it published in 2013. Since that time, it was also republished in Spectrum's magazine, which is now Spectrum Life magazine. We did that in 2017. Also interesting to note is that people have written and asked permission to translate it and share it in classrooms worldwide. I even had it translated into Chinese. That one was fun. 
That's pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool. I don't read Chinese, so... Hopefully they translated <laughs> correctly. <laughs> and how do you do an acrostic in Chinese? So I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but I suppose it was the sentiment of what was being said. Anyway, it was really a lot of fun. So to our Chinese listeners out there, thank you. That book seemed to have a pretty good shelf life too, because I still receive occasional emails thanking me for writing the poem. My blog is no longer up, the one that I originally wrote, but the book is still out there. And the most recent email I received about it was about three weeks ago from a mom in Texas who was parenting two kids around the same age as ours. It's really neat to think that something I wrote over 10 years ago still has a positive impact today. Have you had any negative feedback? Not to me directly. Well, that's good. Now, granted, there's always, (laughs) you could say almost anything and you're going to have a contrarian viewpoint, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Anyway, a while back, I had seen someone post at another blog site called Neuroclastic that they really disliked it when people said, autism does not define me. When I saw that, I wanted to read what the person wrote because I'm always open to hearing viewpoints that are different than mine. His view was that because autism is an inextricable part of his and all other autistic people's identity, you can't separate it. So his view was that you shouldn't try to separate it. He was thinking also that this was coming a lot from parents who didn't understand autism. And I actually have seen people talk about the autism does not define me concept from a negative lens. That is not at all the lens that I wanted to write it from. So they're not necessarily talking about my poem. I saw his point and I actually agreed with a lot of what he wrote from the concept of autistic being part of my identity. But when I wrote it, I operated from a different definition of self-identity and how that's defined. A lot of times self-identity is looked at as the recognition of one's potential and their qualities as an individual, especially in relation to social context. Identity changes and evolves over time. So I think we're looking at things from different viewpoints. There really wasn't any other negative feedback that I ever heard. Of course, maybe now that I do the podcast, I'll start to get trolled, but hopefully not. For the most part, it's been positive. So I love how the poem starts. It says, accept me for who I am. Why did you start with acceptance? At our core, I believe that we all want to be accepted and we all want to be respected and loved by our family members. We want it to be unconditional and not, I'll love you if you do this or I'll love you if you fix yourself. So there's a reason also why the first core value of autism empowerment is accept. Now, the poem was written before We developed our core values for our organization, but accept was a huge part of it. From an organizational standpoint, we strongly promote the unconditional acceptance of those on the autism spectrum, including self-acceptance and social acceptance. We believe that by accepting each spectrum traveler for who they are, where they're at in the present moment, we help promote autism acceptance and also autism awareness in a positive and respectful way. It's not just about autism acceptance. It's about human acceptance. Absolutely. I I mentioned autism awareness there because when I was writing the poem initially, that was the main stuff that I would see out there. That was back in 2010. There wasn't as big of an autism acceptance movement at the time, although that was a concept that really appealed to me. A lot of times autism awareness, although it's good for people to be aware of the statistics and to be aware of signs to potentially look for. 
a lot of times it doesn't go beyond basic education, and it's also often presented from a non-autistic perspective and can therefore include stereotypes or misinformation about autistic people. We're all individuals, and I believe autistic acceptance, respect, and inclusion needs to take place. And if you think that we're about 2% of the population, I think the last stats were 1.85 for youth and 2.2 for adults, that's quite a few people, quite a big base of people. We also need autism acceptance because autistic people, both youth and adults, are at higher risk of loneliness and isolation, unemployment and underemployment, struggles in school, incarceration, domestic violence, being victims of crimes, homelessness, and other systemic issues that exist because we live in a society that doesn't yet fully understand and embrace autistic people. So acceptance is really important. I agree. So one of the lines that really resonated or jumped out at me, which I absolutely really love, was defining me as my diagnosis ignores my essence and best qualities. Can you talk about this line? Sure. You know, that one's a little bit controversial for some, but let me explain my perspective. So I'm looking at this from the lens that defining yourself is a process, and it's a process of knowing who you are, what you stand for, what your identity is, the morals you live by, and what you define as, say, integrity, your belief system, and so on. When you're young, identity can be acquired indirectly from your parents, your family members, peers, and other role models like teachers. And children come to define themselves oftentimes in terms of how they think their parents see them or the closest people around them see them. So when I was thinking about autism, when I was hearing about it, reading about it, and so forth, It was being talked about from a deficit model, a medical model of disability. The diagnostic criteria for autism is deficit-based. Essentially, it's characterized by difficulties with social interaction and communication and by restricted and repetitive behavior. And I didn't want people to define their children or themselves by a diagnosis that's based on deficits. That's so hard because a lot of systems out there, governmental systems, are all deficit-based as well. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when it comes to trying to get services for your child, and I remember this early on, and we go through the process every year as we're reapplying for certain types of services, they want you to talk about what's wrong with your child. And you will not qualify for services unless you're able to meet certain levels of deficit. Which is really horrible every single year doing that. Yeah, it's an emotional drain. It's devastating. And sometimes parents do that in front of their children and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to be doing that part in front of your kids. It's, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go off on a soapbox about that. But the social model of disability, the social model of, for example, looking at autism, autistic, would be a way of viewing the world that would be developed by disabled people, by autistic people. And that social model would say that people are disabled by barriers in society, not by their impairment or their difference. So barriers can be things like that are physical, like buildings or not having a ramp or an accessible toilet. But they can also or no be, elevator, just stairs. Something exactly, like that. there can be those physical types of things. But they can also, particularly with people who have more hidden or invisible disabilities, they can be caused by people's attitudes towards difference. 
the way you act, the way you look, the way you talk, and make assumptions that people with disabilities can't do certain things. Again, back to the line of the poem, what I wanted to focus on was not shame for your diagnosis, not that at all, but not focusing on defining a child by what's wrong with them. Instead, find the essence of who they are and celebrate their best qualities. You know, not everybody uses that social model and that's okay. And how anybody chooses to talk about their relationship to autism is really up to them. Chances are that it will evolve over time. Identity evolves over time as you're a child. Again, as I was talking before, it, a lot of it tends to be more formed by how you see yourself from the lens of your parents or your siblings or other teachers or other people. If children are defining themselves in terms of how they think their parents see them and their parents are seeing them with deficit, that's not going to help their self-esteem. That's not going to help how they feel about themselves. That's going to put ceilings. Yeah. And it's going to cause more anxiety and more behavioral challenges. So for me, I recognize that being autistic is part of my neurology. I don't see myself so much as having autism as I do being autistic. But when I originally was looking at this, I thought autistic was not really a well-received word. And so many people still believe that they're almost afraid to say the word, like they're afraid to say disabilities. They need to come up with other euphemisms. euphemisms. Yeah. Like uh, special needs. I don't see myself so much as quote unquote, having autism as I do being autistic. That being said, I believe it's really important for people to be able to define their own relationship to autism, understanding that it's likely to evolve over time. And if you grow up thinking that autistic is a bad word. And we hear it from professionals, too, saying that you don't say autistic. You oh, say yeah. It, yeah. Words matter and language matters. Language matters. In fact, yes, I, I, I still get told you shouldn't call yourself autistic. You should call yourself a person with autism. And I'm not going to make this into a back and forth about that. That's another type of discussion. We always tell people at Autism Empowerment, we actually mix up the language and use a variety of different types of things because we respect that people will have differing opinions about that, potentially at different stages in their lives. If a child is hearing autistic as being bad at their school, they're not going to want to identify that way. If they're hearing that it's a positive neurological difference that's just one way to be able to talk about themselves, then they may see it as a word that they might use to embrace. But euphemisms, I think a lot of times people are really uncomfortable talking about words and they look for all of these different words instead of just saying autistic or it's, disability. Exactly. They'll say, quote unquote, special needs. That's a really tough one because I haven't met people with disabilities who want to be called special in that way. It's one of those things where people get teased all of the time in schools. It's funny because if you take society as a whole, everyone has unique needs. Yeah. And saying special is just another way for not, them not to say disability, autistic, or autism. And I think, though, that people, by and large, they mean well. But at the same time, there's ableism. There's just this ingrained trying to not be as uncomfortable with a certain word or a certain language. There's a lot of mixed messaging, as you said before, I believe, that in the school systems and the medical systems, they use what's called people-first language 
which would be person with blank, has blank. And I actually used people first language in the last line of that poem. I think that sometimes you use language because it just sounds more grammatically correct. But words do matter. And I believe that everybody still has the right to define themselves and to define how they want to be identified by others in relationship to autism or whatever that might be that they're using as characteristics of their identity. I think that we have a whole bunch of shows there, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) So you actually mentioned the last line. And actually, I wanted to touch base on that uh, um, as well. So the poem ends... Embrace and empower someone with autism today. So you ended with embrace and empower as the two kind of key words. Can you talk about those two concepts? So embrace has a couple different definitions. One is holding someone closely in your arms like a hug, gentle, tender, right? The other definition, which is the one I primarily was thinking when I was using the word, is an act of accepting or supporting something willingly or enthusiastically, embracing something. That makes sense. I'm not saying that difficulties and challenges are something to say, whoopee, you know, let's just go ahead and embrace that. But there's something to be said for looking at your situation from a lens of, hey, this is where I'm currently at. I'm going to embrace this reality. I don't have to be stagnant with it. It's kind of ties in with acceptance. I don't have to stay in this place if I don't want to, but I'm going to be okay with myself. I'm going to embrace myself as a human being here and then potentially have a choice to move forward. If you don't embrace a situation, you get stuck in a lot of negativity, a lot of downward spiraling, a lot of grief, and it's hard to move forward. So empower is actually one of Autism Empowerment's four foundational pillars. It's actually its uh, name as well. (laughs) (laughs) Autism Empowerment. I see what you did there, John. You're clever. Empower means to give power to and to help make someone stronger, more confident, especially under the guise of controlling their life, self-determination, claiming their rights. So empowering someone is not doing it for them. As parents... A lot of times we do things for our children, we help them out with different things, but eventually the goal is that we teach them. Yeah, they will learn through modeling and experience how to potentially do something for themselves. It's strong to be able to empower someone. Someone wants to feel that ability that, hey, I can do it myself. I can tie my shoes. I can zip up my jacket. Those are tough things a lot of times for kids on the spectrum when they're growing up. To embrace and empower someone is to celebrate who they are and wanting them to be their best. It's kind of like giving them confidence to go out in the world and be the best, awesome person that they can be. Yeah, it is. And I believe when we talk about empowerment and autism empowerment, we really do strive to help people achieve that highest quality of life, whether that be academically, whether it be emotionally, financially, socially, spiritually, Like you said, an awesome and fulfilling life, but one that is self-directed and gives them that opportunity to show initiative and the ability to organize themselves and make decisions. I think that's an important point because giving people the choices and the power to make choices for themselves really gives them the power back. And I think that it's going to be different from people at different ages, at different stages in life, at different 
ability and challenge levels. But the idea is to try to do as much as you can for them to have some level of independence as much as possible. That makes total sense to me. And I totally agree with you. Thank you. So I'm going to throw a question to you, which you may not be ready for. I know how much you liked surprises, which is not really, unless it's something on like Valentine's Day or a birthday or something like that. But anyways, can you pick one or two lines from the poem that we haven't talked about? And what speaks to you on a personal level? Ooh, that's a good question. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for the surprise. Yeah, you you made a good point, though. I was scared of surprise parties when I was a kid. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, let me think about this for a sec. So how many do I get to pick? Let's just say two. (laughs) Ooh, There's so much goodness in this poem, but we're just going to take two for right now. Thank you. I would say, and these two tie together, never give up trying to get me and take time to try and come into my world. So why are you picking those two lines? I think it's so important for parents to have positive relationships with their children. Sometimes when kids are diagnosed with different types of disabilities, there can be this grief cycle. For example, with autism and autism grief cycle. You're going to go through what you're feeling and experiencing But when it comes down to it, when it's time to move forward, your child is going to want you to love them and to get them and to understand them. I know for me as an autistic woman growing up, never feeling like anybody got me, feeling like I was from another planet, not sure why I seemed so different. It would have been very validating to have people that made an effort to try to come into my world meet me where I was at, and just get me. So often with therapy that's related to autism, it's more about trying to change the child, and that sends a message that they're broken. And kids pick up on that. Kids pick up on those things. Instead of looking at it from that lens, look at it from, why don't you come and try to explore my world? Get on the floor with me. Play a game. See how I play with my cars. See how I line up my dolls embrace me. Because when you do, you see all of these really awesome characteristics of your child that you wouldn't have had the opportunity to see otherwise. Your child is still the same beautiful, amazing human being as they were the day before they got the diagnosis. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that there aren't hard times and that there isn't a lot of challenge in parenting a child who is not typical. But that doesn't mean that it would have been better if the child was different. They wouldn't be themselves. It would just be another human being. It wouldn't be the essence of their child. So getting the child that you're blessed with while still trying to empower them and help them work through their challenges and be the best version of themselves that they can, but not doing it from a fix-it model, doing it from embracing the way they think, embracing their strengths, and teaching to their special passions and interests, that kind of thing. Those are the kinds of thoughts that I have when I see parents that are new with their children. They get scared and they think they have this short window to try to do all of these things or their child won't be able to be an amazing human being, but that's just not true. Whether your child is severely affected in certain ways or not, They are still your amazing kid. 
there's ways that you can find bonding experiences when you just show them how much you love them. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. I actually thought you were going to pick a different line, but... Which one did you think I was going to pick? Trust that God has me here for a reason. Yeah, so I know that our listeners are of all different kinds of faith, and they're going to all have their varying beliefs. For me, that's just one that speaks to me personally. I personally don't believe that God would have created me the way I was if there wasn't a plan for that. So it's been almost 10 years since you've written this. And it seems it's relevant today as it was when you first wrote it. Can you talk about that and what do you see the biggest takeaways? So there's always children that are coming new into diagnosis. There's always parents that are finding out that their child is on the spectrum for the first time. The message that I wrote is fairly timeless in that respect. I think as far as biggest takeaways, remembering that children often come to identify themselves early in life. Our identity changes over time and how we think about ourselves based on a combination of different things, our life experience, the people we're around, the adversity we go through, the positive things we go through. But in those formative years, in those beginning years, children come to oftentimes identify themselves by the way that they think that they're perceived by parents, peers, teachers, and other role models. If they hear positive reaffirming things coming at them, those are going to be good things that are part of their identity. Like, I'm brave, I'm kind, I have courage, I have strength, versus I'm a loser, I'm lazy, I'm incapable. The more you hear broken things that need to be fixed, the less good you're going to feel about yourself. You're going to feel damaged and broken and not good enough. And so many kids grow up feeling they're not enough. So kids need allies. They need their allies from their parents. And not everybody is going to have the same type of household situation where that's possible. So anybody that can be a positive ally towards their child or towards another child that's on the spectrum, we need you. I guess the takeaway here is make sure that you show children and yourself, because that's important too, more positive than negative. Negative experiences in your life have offered you knowledge, but they don't have to be what you tell yourself about yourself. You can be a survivor of something that's really crappy and bad, but you don't have to live in that historic moment of pain. You can figure out what it is that those experiences have taught you about the kind of person that you want to be. We should all have the opportunity to define ourselves and ideally to live a healthier, thriving life. We want to define ourselves in those positive ways. Think about what you would want your core values to be. What are your personal values? What do you want your child to feel about him or herself? For me, some of my core values are compassion, integrity, faith, curiosity, humor, learning, love, and doing meaningful work. To our listeners out there, how do you define yourself? That was really powerful. Thank you so much, Karen, for sharing all of those thoughts in your poem today. I'm now going to turn this back over to you to close this out. 
But before we do that, I wanted to thank all of our listeners for listening today. And thank you for tuning in and subscribing. Thank you, John. I appreciate doing this show with you. It was a little bit emotional and passionate today. You are a passionate person, though. I am. That's probably one of my values, too. I, I just, You're intense. I, <laughs> that's one that you probably wish was not a value. No, I, I love your intensity. Oh, I want to advocate for people out there. I really do. I believe that most people really do want to do the right thing and be a good person, be a good parent, make a meaningful difference in the world. I just think that the show today, Autism Does Not Define Me, I think, again, people should have that right to define themselves. If you're helping someone and you're blessed enough to be in the life of someone who you get to care for, help them empower them, embrace them to define themselves in positive and loving ways. We appreciate you hanging out with us and thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Autism Empowerment Podcast. If you'd like to get connected with our community, as well as all the great support and content we have planned for the future, please hit the subscribe button and visit www.autismempowermentpodcast.org for show notes, transcripts, social media details, Spectrum Life Magazine, and more. As a 501c3 nonprofit charity, we rely upon support from listeners like you to produce our podcast and other programs. We appreciate you leaving a positive review, sharing our podcast, and considering a tax-deductible donation today. Thank you again.